Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, mates, just before we start the episode, it's me, Matt Stewart. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to our 300th episode. It was a great time. It was recorded in front of a, a live audience at the Stupid Old Studios. It's a small and intimate and beautiful crowd. Uh, thanks to those who came out. If you want to watch it, you can still see it. It's uh, up there to be streamed at saucepresents.com. There'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, check it out there. It's an extended cut Uh Apart from, uh, you know, there's little bits that have been chopped out of this episode, but also mainly because, you know, I try to cut out things that would be a bit confusing if you weren't in the room. But also there's a whole second section of the show where Dave takes Jess and I through a quiz going back through the first 300 episodes of the show. So it's a really fun, cool time. Um, Tune in. Uh, there if you want to watch all that i'm also up uh, doing shows in queensland for the rest of the week uh including a live primates second ever live primates episode and if you want to see that come along it's a good chat comedy in brisbane this friday night at 9 30 i'm also doing the stand-up show at good chat uh just before that at seven o'clock um there's details for tickets for all this stuff uh in the show notes i'm also base comedy in the gold coast uh tonight if you're listening on the Wednesday and Thursday as well, as well as I believe uh, Sunday. And then Monday I'm at SBC Comedy. So uh, come check me out if you want to, if you're in and around Brisbane and the Gold Coast. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get on with the show. episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnke and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Yeah! Hey Dave. How's it going? Good Matt, how are you? Pretty good. 300, we did it. <laughs> yeah. oh, was that the goal from the beginning? 300 yeah. and done? Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was. We a- released a few early, so it's not 300 weeks yet. This is really only 290. We've actually gone early here. Oh, no, it's not our 300th week. No, which is what people normally celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> 300th 
100 weeks of podcasting. <laughs> How long have you been alive? <laughs> uh, today, uh, 15,000 weeks. I'm very old. That means nothing to me. Yeah. Is that a lot? Oh, so much. Cool. So we're, we're actually doing this podcast uh, live at the Stupid Old Studios. It's the first time we've done one with a live audience here. They know that already, but I'm talking to the people uh, listening on the podcast now. Yeah. Which, what I, I think of the podcast is sort of like entertainment on the go. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. That's, a, that's something I've coined. I don't know if it'll take off, but... <laughs> Unbelievable. I reckon that's great. I'll use that. Yeah, great. I think that. yeah. Well, remember to credit me when you do. Yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> Matt's a feminist. Yeah. Yep. Long have been. I think I was one of the first, actually. <laughs> I said, when I got on the scene, yeah. women were huddled in a corner. And I said, come join us. <laughs> yep. What scene is this? Are the women huddled in a corner? They were huddled in a corner at the beginning. At this the, is years. The beginning of time. Yeah, well, not quite the beginning of time. Right, but early on. They, they in were... the scene of time. Did I say scene? Yeah. <laughs> early on in the scene. I was just checking what scene. Oh, uh, the feminist scene. Gotcha. <laughs> it was very early on. didn't yeah, exist yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. I invented it. Yeah. Like I coined that term before. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just think women should be given a chance, so... And, it's, I, you know, some people say that's brave, but I just think <laughs> I just think that's right. Yeah. And I'll stand up. I don't care if I get persecuted for it. Mm-hmm. And can I just say thank you? Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> and can I just cut you off just there and also say thank you? <laughs> You've done a lot yeah. for those in the corner. <laughs> Dave, can you explain for the 300th time, (laughs) what is this show? Well, for the past 299 episodes, Mm -hmm. what we've done here is taken in turns to report on a topic, often suggested by one of our listeners, go away, do a bit of research, bring it back in the reform of a report, and then tell the other guys what they're going to talk about. Nearly got there. The end bit. I fell yeah. off. It sounded so good. The what are they going to talk about? Basically, Matt's got a report here he's going to give to you and I, and uh, he's got a question to start with, I believe. That's right. Okay, here's my question. What do elephants, horseshoes, four-leaf clovers, and shooting stars often symbolise? A good night out. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just... If you weren't there, you don't know. <laughs> um, is it luck? It's luck. Fuck. <laughs> Jess wins again. <laughs> so for the 300th episode, I'm doing a triptych or a triptych. As some people say is how you're meant to say it. Of reports about incredibly lucky and or unlucky people. Oh. The first one is about a Croatian music teacher named Frayn Salak. A.K.A. the world's luckiest unlucky man. <laughs> Does that mean it cancels each other out and he's yeah, just, just pretty normal? <laughs> just a man. He's it's... the world's man. <laughs> Check him out. Check him out. Bring him out. <laughs> Look at him. He's a man. World's man. This one was suggested by Quack Atomic <laughs> from Penville, Indiana, in the United States. Jean-Nicolas Bourdon from Montreal, Canada. 
Atticus from OJ, California, USA, and Tom DeWilton Holmes from Norwich, Norfolk in the UK. There isn't a lot of information about Slack's early years. It seems he was born in the late 20s or early 1930s, uh, depending on the article you read. (laughs) There's a few, yeah. Journalism is not what it used to be. (laughs) By the late 50s or early 60s, again, depending on the article you read. His story becomes a little better known as this is when his series of unfortunate events begins. In 1962, Slack was in his early 30s. Or. Or his his mid-30s. Let's pull you up on a technicality there. And according to Chris Littlechild, writing for Ripley's.com, believe it or not... Uh, While riding the rails from Sarajevo to Dubrovnik, a freak accident saw his train catapulted into a river. 17 passengers were killed, uh, but he was able to swim to shore with nothing but a broken arm and hypothermia for his troubles. This harrowing event was just a drop in the ocean compared to what was in store for him next. Can I just quickly ask you to explain how what, what is a train catapulting? Mm. Look like like they get to a certain bit and then it just flies up in the air. Yeah. Launched. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it just went. <laughs> you know what I mean? They got to get that fixed. It's too late for that, Dave. Yeah. So this was one of his, or the first of his seven major brushes with death. The second incident is perhaps the most incredible. <laughs> And then the rest will be pretty disappointing. Yeah. It's a shame he didn't finish with the big one. Yeah. <laughs> the rest is like paper cuts. <laughs> Ow! Ow! Again! Oh. Ow! Yes. Five more paper cuts. Sprained his ankle one time. Yeah. According to John Karoski, writing for All That's Interesting, Frayn Salak had never been on a plane before, but desperate times called for desperate measures. According to Salak, the year was 1963. And the 32-year-old Croatian man had just received word <laughs> that his mother was ill. 32 or 30... Something. Something. <laughs> so he found out his mum was ill, which made him determined to immediately fly from Zagreb to Rijeka to see her. The earliest flight available was already fully booked, but Salak said he managed to persuade the sympathetic airline to let him sit at the plane's rear with the flight attendant. Different time, right? Mm. He just went, oh, come, come on. on. <laughs> <laughs> Spot at the back, the little cushion on the come wall. On. Oh, just sit in the toilet, it's fine. It's all right. I need to go anyway. <laughs> Not a gentleman. Salak um, <laughs> recalled that his first experience with air travel went smoothly until shortly before landing when the unthinkable happened. Ooh. One of the plane's doors somehow flew open. <laughs> No one was thinking that, were they? <laughs> As Salak told the Telegraph in 2003, one minute we were drinking tea and the next the door was ripped open and the flight attendant was sucked into midair, followed shortly by me. Ooh. What about the tea? <laughs> the tea was safe. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, the tea in had its seatbelt on. <laughs> <laughs> Secured. <laughs> That's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> on the back of the chair in front of you, just a little seatbelt for your cup of tea. <laughs> and it's watching as everyone gets sucked out. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Who's going to drink me? <laughs> I'm going cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's all tea wants. 
So you, so you said the steward out, and then also Frank. Frain, yeah. Frain. 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 Not weird, a weird name like Frank. Frain. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, some articles probably refer to him as Frank. Let's yes. be honest. <laughs> they do. And someone who suggested him also referred to him as Frank. Gotcha. Oh. Poor Frain. That's the seventh near death thing he had. He almost got punched by a man, <laughs> confusing him for Frank. <laughs> yeah. So he's been sucked out of a plane. He's been sucked out of a plane. Something that you never want to happen to when you're on a plane. That's one of the last things you want to have happen to yeah, you on a plane. you are not wrong. <laughs> sucked. That was so intense. Man, he was sucked out of a plane. And you think me saying it was intense? Yeah. Well, wait until you get sucked out of a plane. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Obviously, it's slightly different when you're sucked off on a plane. Obviously. That's one of the best things yeah. that could happen yeah. on a plane. That's one of the best. <laughs> sucked out of a yeah. plane. Yeah. That's, no, no, no. And, and when that, those two get confused, yeah. oh, it's a real nightmare. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Sucked off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too late. <laughs> too late. But it was too late. Yeah. Unless they jump after, but good luck getting a suck off falling to the ground. Yeah. Like, how can you focus on it when you're plunging to your death, you know? Very good question. Yeah. I mean, I I got a pretty strong mind, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying so hard to push him towards a regret face. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I'm close. Sipping. This is a new me. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> Soon after, the plane crashed. So they flew out, and then the plane crashed, uh, <coughs> leaving the flight attendant, two pilots, and 17 other passengers dead. But not Salak. He miraculously survived after landing in a haystack. (laughs) What are you talking about? What? He awoke in hospital, shaken, but not particularly injured. Just covered in hay. (laughs) He was furious. What is all this hay? I was going to get a suck off. (laughs) That's not the right term, is it? Suck job. (laughs) Please... Never look me in the eye when you say suck job <laughs> Suck job. <laughs> According to Salak uh, via Karoski, in 1966, also the year of the Saints, mm. when they won an only... The only time they've been lucky? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feels good. <laughs> One for day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So according to Salak, in 1966, he was on a bus. So this is the third one now, which is not pa- – no, it's better than paper cuts, but <laughs> – Yeah, I mean, you, you are absolutely right. Now I know what it is. Sucked out of a plane. How do you top that? Landing in a haystack while everyone else dies. Yeah. He's going to get sucked out of a bus. <laughs> <laughs> so he's still landing in a haystack. <laughs> Start to understand why he's known as – Unlucky, but lucky. Yeah, he's so unlucky to be involved in all these accidents. Right, but lucky yes. That he survived. You don't want to be anywhere near this man. No. no. <laughs> uh, so in 1966, he was on a bus that skidded into a river, leaving four dead, while he swam safe, uh, safely to the banks and suffered only minor cuts and bruises. Apparently, the local neighbourhood was aware of his rotten luck, and like Dave was saying, uh, Karoski quoted one of his neighbours, "Put it like this." If I heard Frain had booked a flight or a train, I would cancel. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at what point do you start thinking this guy's in on it? Yeah, like I was he's just thinking. doing stuff. I was just thinking he's one of the best serial killers yes. yeah. in history. 
Oh, he's yeah. just gotten away with it. Wow. There's people dying left, right and centre and he's just swimming away. <laughs> I hadn't considered that. That's a good point. By 1970, Salak had given up on public transport and was getting around by car instead. Clever. Much safer. Right. Much safer. No one ever dies in a car. No. <laughs> this change of transport wasn't enough for him to ward off the accidents. One day he was cruising down the motorway when his car uh, when his car's fuel tank exploded. <laughs> Luckily Slack was able to escape his automobile just in time. He landed Let in down. some hay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a very hayy country, yeah, Croatia. Right. Croatia got a lot of hay. Hay everywhere. <laughs> so yeah, the fuel tank just exploded. Yeah, just an exploding fuel tank. Right. Sure. You know, and this that, is that's number four? That happens. Yeah, that's number four. Whoa. Wow. Three years later, in 1973, his car tried to kill him again. (laughs) Kill a car is very funny. (laughs) This time, a malfunctioning fuel pump caused an engine fire, somehow resulting in flames shooting through the car's air vents at poor old Salak. Again, he survived, though much of his hair didn't. It all singed off. But apart from that... He's all right. He's all right. You could just use some hay as a toupee. Yes, now you're thinking. Hay (laughs) toupee. And he could buy it on lay-by. Then he'd... Wait, hang on. Um. Hang on. He he can get it. He can get it. Uh, uh, Hay toupee. Hay toupee, no more toupee. What about if he he steals it because he hates toupee? Hates toupee. Something like that. We'll edit that bit out. Um... (laughs) The pun king has struck again. <laughs> uh, Krosky continues. After 22 accident-free years, Slack said he survived being hit by a bus while walking in Zagreb in 1995. He just bounced off the front. <laughs> <laughs> got up. Bounced off the front. Got up, walked away. The following year, 1996, Salak claimed that he was driving in the Croatian mountains when an oncoming truck caused him to swerve off a 300-foot cliff. However... He said that he was able to jump out at the last second <laughs> Come and, on. and watch from a tree at the cliff's edge as his car plummeted downwards. He had time to climb a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I think he jumped down and he, he grabbed on the tree and that's how he survived right on that. This guy's full of shit. Now he's leaning into the unlucky <laughs> yeah. thing and he's like, yeah, and then I jumped out of the car and it went off a cliff and I saw the whole thing from a tree. Shut up. Frame. I believe him. Uh, Salak yeah. told the Telegraph that his friends were eventually hesitant to get in a vehicle with him or even be near him at all. There came a stage when I was lucky to have any friends at all, he said. Many stopped seeing me saying I was a bad karma. I was bad karma. <laughs> I was a bad karma. <laughs> uh, I just... No, there will be no more accidents, he added. I'm going to enjoy my life now. I feel like I've been reborn. Oh, no. Why would you jinx yourself like that? It's the worst thing to say, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> well, gotta... that's seven. We've gone through the seven. God has been watching over me all these years. The devil has moved on to torment someone else. <laughs> he said this in 2003. Um, ask, when the reporter asked him um, about his history with the accidents, he said... You could look at it two ways. I was either the unluckiest man in the world or the luckiest. I preferred to believe the latter. But of course, 
All good things must come to an end. Oh, no. And no. so did Salak's run of near-death accidents. When his luck took an unexpected turn in 2003, soon after that interview... <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's what I was just before. He bought a lotto ticket and won a million dollars. No! No! Look at that guy. I mean, clearly you're going to win if you buy all the tickets. <laughs> Got them all. He won a million dollars. Million bucks, or wow. you know, about the equivalent of a million bucks in. And then the it local all currency. caught on fire. <laughs> wow. Reporting on his big win in 2003, the Scotsman wrote at the time: "Now the four times married pensioner is buying a house. Oh, unlucky in love. <laughs> oh, buying a house, a car, and a speedboat. Absolutely plain. No." <laughs> no. And he's also planning to marry his girlfriend. I feel like my life is just beginning, he said. In a 2014 article for the BBC, writer Guy Delaunay stated that Salak had given the majority of his winnings away to friends and family. But then, according to Little Child, he spent the last of his winnings on a hip operation and on a shrine to the Virgin Mary in thanks for his good fortune. So he told something slightly different every reporter, by the sounds of it. The lottery win was the first opportunity for the world to hear Salak's amazing tales of survival. And he recounted the seven tales to newspapers like England's, The Telegraph, and Germany's Der Spiegel. <laughs> Am I saying that right? The, the Spiegel. Oh, The Spiegel, sorry. Is that Mirror? Der Spiegel. Uh, and then, so after the lotto win, his story started spreading. He, more people are interested. He's telling them all these wild tales. It started moving around the internet. In 2014, Slack's tale was turned into a three-minute video by New York animator David Ransom, and his video went viral with over three million views. Despite the video's success, its subject was unhappy with the telling. Delaunay quoted uh, local Croatian reports of Slack's reaction, writing, The Zagreb-based daily Jutanji list asked for his reaction, and he said, The Americans have no idea. They drew a moustache on me and mixed up all my accidents. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a loose cannon. He's nuts. Maybe they will earn big money. He's talking about this YouTuber. Maybe they will earn big money while I live on a pension. At least send you me a thousand dollars. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. He's, he's... sell your speedboat, you dumb shit. <laughs> It's such a strange... He's like, maybe they'll earn big money. I live on a pension. At least send me $1,000. You do make huge life-changing cash on a viral video. Yeah. So he's probably right there. They should send him $1,000. Fucking hell, he should have... No, don't... <laughs> the animator, uh, David Ransom, sounded pretty shattered by the reaction, saying... I'm very sorry that he was upset by his depiction. If he would like to set the record straight, I would be more than happy to amend the video to more accurately represent his image. (laughs) Take the moustache off. (laughs) Frame by frame, Henry Cavill style. Just take the (laughs) moustache off. (laughs) Uh, And he's like, I'll add or remove any details he wants, but the video is still up as it was back then. With moustache? With moustache. So he obviously didn't get in contact. As his story spread around the internet, doubts about its authenticity grew. According to Karoski, in the age of Google, those who doubt Slack point to the lack of official records documenting a fatal Croatian plane crash in 1963 or a fatal train crash the preceding year. At the same time, the BBC 
gave the year of his first accident as 1957, not 1962, and said that it took place on a bus, not a train. Right. Meanwhile, there have been inconsistencies in Slack's own stories. When the Telegraph interviewed him in 2003, he said that he'd been playing the lottery consistently for years before finally winning, but when the Telegraph spoke to him again in 2010, uh, when he said that he gave most of his fortune away to various charitable causes, the story was that he'd won the jackpot on his very first time ever playing. The year of his lotto win was likewise changed across the various accounts. All relatively minor, minor quibbles, in, according to this guy, I reckon they're pretty big quibbles. <laughs> 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 so they, they could easily be the result of some uh, simple mistakes, but these kinds of discrepancies are harder to ignore when the survival stories at the centre of Frayne Salak's biography are so hard to believe themselves. The website hoaxorfact.com... <laughs> That's a good website. ...is also a bit sceptical of the claims, writing, the wild claims of deadly accidents are not verified. There are no official records of the said accidents where Frayne Salak cheated death seven times and survived. In 2010, the Meta Picture website published the story about Frayne Salak. Later in a comment, a Facebook user named Shelko... Jaco Salak said Frain Salak is his father and that none of the mentioned accidents happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing dad under the bus. He, he said, except for a couple of minor car accidents. He explained that his father dreamed of fame all his life and fabricated the story after winning the jackpot, writing, another media that copy all those lies, photos are fake. And none of that happened to my father, all caps. My father! <laughs> Except a couple of minor car accidents. After winning that jackpot, my dad, who dreamed of fame all his life, has found and paid local journalists to write about amazing life full of uh, close encounters with death. Some foreign correspondents in Croatia copied the story without checking any evidences or proofs. Internet picked it up and Croatian Baron Minhausen was born. Old man make you journalists all fools. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> That's going to make for a really awkward family dinner. <laughs> I could, but I couldn't even figure out if I couldn't find anything to confirm that he had yeah. a son, if that was his son, or you know, so or if someone's knows? just changed their name. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's. I mean, it sounds like a lot of it is is bullshit, which is a shame. Because the uh, the Patreon supporters voted for this topic and it sounded so good. And then uh, the more I read, I'm like, nah. Oh, it's probably bullshit. It's an old man talking shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dear. Um, so, yeah. Uh, of Select's amazing life story, Kurosky is also dubious, though uh, he hedges his bets a bit, saying, perhaps his story contains a mix of truth and lies. Perhaps he's misremembered some details that have caused inconsistencies. Or perhaps those who have retold his stories have mistakenly added incon inconsistencies themselves and thus muddied the waters. What do you reckon? Oh, full of shit. <laughs> oh, this man is my new god. <laughs> I believe everything he says. Because, honestly, why would you lie and make the... Like most gnarly accident number two. Yeah. If you were no, going to no tell story a story, craft. you'd build it to seven. So that yep. makes me think that it's, it's all but true. But then would you think that's what, a, like, that's what a liar would do? How convenient that my most okay. dramatic, uh, you know, near-death experience was the last one. I'll, like, I'll hide it in there somewhere. And then the last one can just be like, um, I had a car accident. Yeah, yeah. okay. It was his mm. big mistake because that's the one. There's websites saying... All the world 
plane crashes of 1963 and just lists them all. Oh, it's like shit. None in Croatia. So it's... But, but, I mean, it was 1963 or late 50s. <laughs> <laughs> but also there were none then yeah. either. So, um, what a fun website that would be to browse late at night. <laughs> all the plane crashes there have ever been. Well, that, that was my night last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to feel good. Because uh, people always say, like, oh, you're more likely to get hit by a car. I don't care. It's still scary up there, isn't it? Yeah. Bloody hell. It's pretty fun. I love the detail. of We're about to have tea. You know, that's... That's fun. That's good craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I felt... <laughs> I, I was like... I, I could have, like, patted it out, made it the whole report, but I felt like it'd be a, a bit um, unsatisfying to have the episode about a story that is possibly fully bullshit. Oh. <laughs> so I've got two more stories about some very lucky slash unlucky people, and these ones are almost definitely true. Okay. okay. I think these, are, these ones are true. All right. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> That has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> that is upsetting to hear. But I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills. Learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. So the first one's about a lady named Anne Hodges. Probably bullshit. <laughs> I don't trust her. Sounds like a fake name. Um, so uh, Anne Hodges uh, was in Alabama on the 30th of November 1954. Nothing strange here. That's where she lived. Okay. I was going to say, where had she been up until that point? <laughs> During that afternoon, a meteor lit up the sky, moving at approximately 200 kilometres per hour, visible from parts of Alabama, Georgia and Mississippi. Locals reported seeing a bright reddish light crossing the sky like a Roman candle trailing smoke. Others described it simply as a fireball. It's like, oh, like a meteor? Just like, <laughs> oh, there's a meteor in the sky. Fireball! Fire, yeah. Um, according to Carrie Corrigan, a research Ooh. geologist at the Smithsonian's Ooh. Natural History Museum. Say the name again. Carrie Corrigan. Oof. <laughs> Jess and I, we didn't hear anything after that. Yeah, you're going to have to repeat that You're going to have to repeat that. But start with Carrie Corrigan. According to Carrie Corrigan... Ooh, there it is. A research geologist at the Smithsonian's Natural History Museum 
She said, meteorites are not rare. They've been falling on Earth since the planet's beginning, and they fall all over the Earth. Most meteorites found by humans on Earth are in the range between the sizes of a golf ball and a fist. They lose about half their volume when passing through the planet's atmosphere. <laughs> a great deal of the extraterrestrial material landing on Earth falls into the ocean, and much of it is extremely small. We get hit by dust all the time, according to Gary Corrigan. We get hit by dust. Yeah. Is that a fun fact? <laughs> no. Dave, is that a dull yeah, fact? Dull. Yeah, <laughs> that's dull. That we get hit by intergalactic dust all the yeah, time? Yeah, well, if she'd written it that way, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Just she, dust. She can't spin a yarn. Oh, cool, <laughs> dust. That's fun. Oh, yay. <laughs> dust. I'm trying to jazz this up for you, but... That's you trying to jazz it up? <laughs> dust. Oh. <laughs> trying to jazz it up. Yeah. Dust. Come on so down for some dust. You can't jazz up dust. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, this is the best I can do. I just did. Intergalactic speckles. <laughs> speckles, I'm here yeah. for that. Speckles I get speckles. Yeah. So as the meteor lit up the southern American skies, Anne Hodges was oblivious to the spectacle. According to Alice George, writing for the Smithsonian, the 34-year-old lay napping cosily under quilts on the sofa in her Alabama home. Was it night time? It was 2.46 p.m. Okay. Or it was about to be. I guess up to now it's, it's anywhere up yeah, to 2.45 yeah. p.m. I was just making sure it was a nap and not a sleep. Okay. <laughs> it was night time. It's just a sleep, isn't it? Even if it's three hours? Oof. I mean, do we have time to get into this? What constitutes a nap? Where does it go into kip territory? Okay. And then oh. when is it just asleep? Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think of all sleeps as naps. Just long I've, naps. I've little naps. naps, big naps. Yeah, Mid- Mid- medium, medium, medium naps. naps. <laughs> okay. That's a good that's way to live. That's just how I do yeah, it. Yeah, no, so. I love that. I love that. So I've described to you yes. up to 2.45. Yes. Let me now tell you what happens at 2.46pm when she woke with a shock <gasps> as the meteor fizzed like a bullet through Hodge's roof, smashing into her radio before hitting her. She was hit by a meteor. Oh. <laughs> and hit her radio. Yeah. <laughs> was the radio okay? Yeah. The radio got fucked up. <laughs> oh, no. Did it set it off? It turns it on suddenly. What station was it yeah. on? Darren Hinch is blasting. <laughs> oh, I shut up, Darren. That. How, that's such an old reference for <laughs> you. Darren Hinch? Yeah. You know he's in politics now. Not anymore. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Put me back in my place. Yeah. We're both off. Is he back in radio? Good on him. He's written a book. Anyway, sorry, saw him tweet that. <laughs> saw him tweet that. Has anyone heard of Darren Hinch? Anyone heard of Darren Hinch? Uh, it used to be a big deal. Okay, yeah. well, I met Darren Hinch, Hinch once. What? Uh, very briefly. I was doing trivia at a pub in Hawthorne and I, I was setting it up and there's all Glen Ferry Hotel out the back in the beer garden and um, I'm like, oh, that's Darren Hinch. And I, my job is to go up to the table and say, would you like to play, would you like to play? And I said, oh, excuse me, Mr. Hinch, would you like to play trivia? And he goes, son, I've just been at a wake and then walked away. <laughs> So, do you want a sheet or not? Yeah, that's really rude. Yeah. It's a yes or no question. Yeah. You can just say no thanks. Mm, so, <laughs> Was he consoling like a, a widow in black? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, mate, sorry to butt in here. 
Do you guys want to play trivia? table says reserved for wake. Yeah. Do you guys want to play trivia or not? Yeah. If you guys aren't going to play, could you move on, please? Yeah, get out of here. I mean, as fun Could as Could you pitches. mourn elsewhere, please? <laughs> okay, so it's hit the radio. Let's the radio's fucked up. Yeah. That's obviously very distressing. Darren Hinch has gone off. What about Darren Hinch? Darren Hinch is also <laughs> no longer on. His brother Darren. So how sh- how's she going to listen to the radio now? Well, she's not. That's the thing. On what? Remarkably, though, despite being hit by the 8.5-pound, 4.5 billion-year-old space rock... Oh, you really chanced it up there. That's good. <laughs> I did a bit of Google. I'm like, can you call a meteor a rock? I think you can. Okay. I'm so worried about scientists listening. As we yeah. know, there's a lot of them. You don't want to get a scientist giving you an um, actually, you know? Yeah, you don't want to get the science community offside. Yeah, no, no, no. They know Space how to rock. fuck you up. Smashing a beaker. <laughs> Those guys... It's happened before. They're fucking scary. Yeah. So she gets hit by this 4.5 billion year old rock. Space the, rock. Space rock. <laughs> and all she got was a massive bruise down her left side, which you can see here. Oh! That's a beauty. That's one of the best bruises I've that's ever seen. That's one of the best, yeah. Well, that's, that's great. So I guess we'll link to the photo for people Yeah, for home. people listening to the podcast. It looks, yeah. It's got a real space rock bruise yeah, vibe, like- doesn't it? If you just saw that photo... And someone said, what do you reckon caused this bruise? What would you say? Space rock, yeah. Space, oh, yeah, I agree. Hey, you'd be right. It would have been so weird. It up if for you. He, he thought about saying someone else. Yeah. Which would have been absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Like, oh, I reckon... Uh, uh, car, hit by car. Car. Tractor car. Yeah, tractor car. That's not even a thing, man. Yeah. You made it up a new tra- this, mode this of transport. This fucking guy. He's been nothing but trouble. <laughs> nothing but trouble. Since he walked in. <laughs> So according to George, Hodges remains the only human being known to have suffered an injury after being struck by a meteorite. Oh. There was a cow that died. <laughs> but, but humans, she's the only one. And is the cow the only cow? Only cow. Okay. Only known cow. <laughs> wow. But so I just, I, so I can't help but circle back a little bit. The radio was not able to be repaired. No. Right. Oh, imagine they lost the radio. Imagine if you died, and the last thing you hear is Darren Hinch. Oh, that's the way I want to go out. <laughs> I also work on radio. You couldn't. Well, why don't you interview Darren? I'll tune in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, what a great awesome. name, Darren. <laughs> you it. wouldn't want to listen to me on the radio on your deathbed. That hurts, Matt. That really hurts. No, I'd be there in person. Back announcing flume. (laughs) Back announcing flu. He's dying of... He's old. He's old. He's old. He's He's dying dying of flu. According to Michael Reynolds, a Florida State College astronomer, uh, you have a better chance of getting hit by a tornado and a bolt of lightning and a hurricane all at the same time. Wow. Which makes sense because, I mean, this has only ever happened once. Yeah. So. But uh, how many times has that exact combination <laughs> happened? Yeah. And how many cows? Twice. Have you seen Twister? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes you think. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so apparently a larger meteorite split in two as it fell toward the ground. One piece hit Hodges and the other landed a few miles away and a farmer found it. 
it was he was going through his plowing his field with a donkey, and the donkey's <laughs> like, "What? What was that?" Yeah. And then he got, and then he went back, and he heard on the radio because his was still working. <laughs> Must be nice. Oh, Darren, yeah, did, Darren's uh, back announcing. <laughs> yeah, a meteor. A meteor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was flume. Also, this just in meteor. <laughs> so he went. He heard that a meteor hit. And he's like, "Oh, that's what that weird black space rock must have been." So he took it and he apparently sold it, got, <laughs> bought a car. Did and he have stuff. to go back? Because his first thought was, oh, what's that weird black space rock? Anyway, keep playing with yeah, it. That's an play around spot, it. yeah. And uh, he sold it. Yeah, he sold it and, and apparently, according to 1950s reports, he made a pretty penny. Wow. Uh, the entire meteorite is officially known as the Silacorga. Meteorite, for the, which is what the town in Alabama was called. Beautiful. But it's popularly known as the Hodges Meteorite. Hodges' husband, Eugene, knew nothing about the extraterrestrial invasion of his home until the end of his workday <laughs> when he returned home to find his house surrounded by a, a crowd of people. We had a little excitement around here today, Anne Hodges said. <laughs> a little excitement. That was her in the bed. With this huge bruise, bit of excitement. God, I'd be milking it for all the sympathy I could. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you better get me a cuppa. <laughs> I've been hit by a meteor. Oh, I, think I would get myself yeah, one, I but think the meteor. Oh, I think you better make dinner. <laughs> That'd be me for like, I don't know, how long could you milk that? Ten years? Oh, honestly, this lady was having a nap at 2.45. <laughs> I don't think she's a go-getter. <laughs> <laughs> could have could been working on um, night shift, I don't know. <laughs> I lo- look, I often have naps. I know. That's why I know. <laughs> How much of a piece of shit yeah. you got to be? <laughs> Takes one and no one. <laughs> to be asleep. Love an afternoon nap. Uh, which I call a, a small nap. Um, George also mentioned that in the hubbub after the meteorite strike, Anne Hodges became a minor celebrity. Her photo appeared on the cover of Life magazine's December 13 edition with an article entitled, A Big Bruiser from the Sky. It's pretty fun. Okay. I feel like I could have done better, but all right. Coincidentally, Meaty Saw. Oh, he knew better. Meaty Saw. He just did. He just did. And then like an arrow. Check out my meter saw. (laughs) That's that's something. It's better than big bruiser from the sky. It was. Sounds like meteor. (laughs) (laughs) Meteor saw. (laughs) It works written down, right? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Coincidentally, uh, Hodges lived across from a drive-in theater named the Comet, which featured a neon depiction of a comet soaring through space. (laughs) Pretty wild. Uh, as Hodges lived in a rental, the owner of the rental wanted to uh, claim rights to the rock. She's like, that crashed into my house, that is my <laughs> meteor. <laughs> and Hodges like, no, nah, but it hit me. It hit me, yeah. It chose me. <laughs> uh, the landlady, Bertie Guy, thought it belonged to her. And uh, Hodges said, suing is the only way she'll ever get it. I think God intended it for me. After all, it hit me. Yeah, that's what that's how God that's works how in God mysterious ways. If you want, if he wants you to have something, he'll he will shoot it. <laughs> shoot it from the sky, yeah, like a taco cannon or a t-shirt yeah. cannon at a festival concert. <laughs> taco cannons made it here yet? <laughs> when I, I went to a festival in Austin, in Austin Texas, stay so weird out there, <laughs> and 
that's on an episode we recorded for next week. Anyway, so <laughs> you're gonna love it. <laughs> but there was a uh, they stopped the between bands. Uh, this truck came out with flags waving and stuff, and they shot so onto the stage. They yeah tr- drove onto the stage of mini that's sort so of buggy. Good. That's so good. Music and flags and everything, and then they shot. Uh, they shot. Burritos? Uh, burritos. Burritos. I said tacos, didn't I? That might, yeah. Nah, imagine hard shell <laughs> tacos. Hard, hard shell open. <laughs> so, did you get a burrito from the festival? Yeah, they were uh, cold by the time they got to you. <laughs> you don't Breakfast say. burritos, what? Really? heavy on the egg. It was egg in a wrap. I mean, it was fun to see. Yeah. It was less fun to eat. But yeah. the, the cannon doesn't warm them up. You'd think so. On the way out. <laughs> <laughs> Made a great sound. Ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, there's some kinks. <laughs> Definitely some kinks oh going out. You're the worst customer at a music festival. <laughs> um, the cannon didn't heat up my breathing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the case eventually was settled out of court with Guy, the um, homeowner, the landlady, getting $500 to let Hodges keep the meteorite. When Eugene Hodges was unable to find a buyer for it, unfortunately the other half of it sold apparently made a, a mini fortune out of it. Huh. They couldn't find. I don't know if they were asking for too much or what. So the family ended up using it as a doorstop. <laughs> a $500 doorstop. And eventually it was donated to the Alabama Museum of Natural History. So Anne Hodges was amazingly unlucky to be hit by a meteor, but I guess by the same token, pretty lucky to survive it. Very lucky unlucky. You see mm. the theme here I'm drawing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you made that quite clear at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. I'm starting to piece it together. Yeah, yeah. People are going to hear more and more and they're going, okay, I'm uh, connecting okay. some dots. Let's see what story number three uh, has to reveal. So this is the, this is the final one mm-hmm. of the three. And it happened in a small village of Sodeto in Spain with a population of less than 300. Pretty new um, t- town or village. It was um, set up in the 50s or 60s, depending on which article you read. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read a, a bunch of this from an article by Suzanne Daly writing for the New York Times in early 2012. Just a few weeks ago, the 70 households in this isolated farming village were struggling under the double whammy of Spain's economic downturn and the ravages of a severe drought. Some were even thinking of passing up Spain's huge Christmas lottery known as El Gordo, or the fat one, which is something of a national obsession. But they bought tickets out of loyalty to the Homemakers Association, which makes a small percentage of the sales. So a local community group goes around and sells all the tickets and they get a little cut, so... Um, they all, the, the town ended up still buying the tickets and their number came in. <gasps> no. All but one household in Sodeto held at least a piece of the winning ticket in the lottery's oh, huge first prize of $950 million, the biggest ever. Oh. Some of Sodeto's, Sodeto's residents, mostly farmers and unemployed construction workers, won millions. The least fortunate came away with a minimum of $130,000. And the giddy feeling that life, in its mysterious ways, was giving them another chance. It is one of the rare bits of happy news amid the relentlessly gloomy European economic crisis in which Spain has been one of the hardest of the hard luck cases. But it has not come without its own cost. The village, until now just a dot on the map, about three hours northwest of Barcelona, Barcelona, <laughs> has been inundated with salespeople and fortune seekers ever since. 
On a recent morning, the vendors just keep showing up. Bankers in suits offering high interest rates. Car salesmen talking up BMWs and furniture dealers going door to door. Want to buy a couch? Like they, carrying yeah, the couch? The sofa on their back. Yeah. Like many other local farmers, Jose Manuel Panella Cumbra, who had recently invested in more efficient irrigation techniques, worried about how he would meet his payments. But his wife bought two tickets worth $260,000 and his son found two more she had bought earlier and had forgotten about, bringing the total to $520,000. Imagine Whoa. that. She'd going, forgotten I forgot. about yeah. it. It's just like a donation of the local thing, yeah, a bit right. of fun. I kept saying, look for some more, look for some more. <laughs> uh, but this money means that now we can breathe and the best part is that it isn't just me, everybody won. It's, a re- it's just a, it's a really nice tale yeah. about a town. Every, it's like no one's left out apart from one guy. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. The day of the lottery announcement was collective madness, the residents said, as they realised how many of their neighbours had won too. As news spread, the farmers raced into town on their tractors. The mayor, Rosa Pons... <laughs> they got there like six hours later. <laughs> <laughs> they raced in. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Everyone's just out walking them. <laughs> we'll see you there. We're yeah. just going to walk. Uh, so the mayor, Rosa Pons, used a megaphone to congratulate everyone. Annika Bourdais, the cafe manager, ran into the street with her socks on. Fun detail. Even though they had holes she in had the toes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> her shoes on top. But yeah, yeah. She, she was wearing socks. <laughs> Bit of fun. Uh, in what seemed like 20 minutes, the bankers were on hand to collect the tickets and then the local news media showed up. Some of the ladies talked about going to the hairdresser, Mayor Pond said. But the hairdresser won too, and she said, I'm not working today. <laughs> so that ended that. The lottery, first established in 1812, is a huge event in Spain. Many people take the morning off to watch the televised coverage of the numbers being drawn from a gilded spinning cage. Spain's lottery works differently from those in the United States and Australia, I guess. This year, there were 1,800 first prize-winning tickets with the same number. So that's why a whole town can win it, mm. even though they've bought a lot of different tickets. It's kind of a nicer way of doing it. And they're, so they're all basically buying a share of the, yeah. this thing. Um, as the tickets cost $26 each to get a full share of it, uh, they are often broken down to $6.50 participations, and that, they're the ones that ended up getting you 130 grand. The Sodito Homemakers Association sells the tickets every year and usually nets about 1300 bucks, which it uses to pay for food and decorations during local festivals. This year, the tickets the women sold uh, here and in visits to 17 neighbouring villages brought in more than $150 million in winnings. <laughs> Even now, the residents of Sodito are prone to giggling when they retell the stories of where they were when they heard and how they almost did not buy any tickets or how someone's grandmother had a secret stash of tickets tucked away in her purse. Wow. But selling the tickets was difficult this year. Even the cheapest participations were expensive for some. At one point, Mari Carmen Labea, a member of the Homemakers Association, tried to sell a ticket to a friend whose husband was unemployed, but her friend could only promise to pay her later. When the number was called, the friend still had not paid, but Miss Labea had saved the ticket for her anyway. She was afraid to call me and ask, Miss Lambea said. So her son called my son and asked him whether oh. I, I'd really saved a ticket. <laughs> and I said, of course I did. And then there was a lot of crying. <laughs> That's nice. So far, though, no one has splurged on anything much, Mayor Pond said. Are you going to see Mercedes going up and down our streets, she said. 
I don't think so. People are going to invest in the fields and maybe a sofa. <laughs> that <laughs> That's so bleak. It's interesting because I watched docos of, of many years gone by and they really they just kept farming and um, keeping it all pretty normal. It was funny, the, the documentary crew would be talking to them, they're like, no, we didn't make any big purchases and then the, the doco camera would sort of pan to the corner where there's a huge TV. <laughs> <laughs> a grand piano. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't no, splash no, out no. on anything. They yeah. <laughs> say uh, from atop their giant horse. <laughs> yeah. They cost we'll a lot. Out. The bigger the horse, the more expensive <laughs> <Yeah>. they are. <laughs> Some, like Miss Pen- uh, Mr. Penella, the farmer, hope that the money will keep the next generation, in particular his son, in the village. In the 60s, Sodeto had 400 residents, but nowadays only 250 people live there. Young people have moved on just because there's no opportunities. Yeah. But after this, there's a whole new section of the town where the, the, the kids, the next generation, have built houses and they're all hanging around, so the population has grown again. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, the only resident who did not win was oh. Costas... Mitsotakis, a Greek filmmaker who moved to the village for the love of a woman, which did not work out. Oh, (laughs) Costas. Oh, Oh, Costas a fortune. Oh, no. Oh. I was thinking, how do I I get that in there? The pun master. (laughs) Yeah. See, he actually understands how they work. Oh, master. (laughs) Master bows down before a king. So <laughs> that is tragic. So he moved there for love. The, the relationship didn't work, but he stayed, and then didn't buy a lotto ticket. Um, he still lives in a barn. He's restoring about half a mile outside the village. Somehow the homemakers had overlooked him this year as they made their rounds. Oh, uh, so it's not, his house. he didn't even say, "Oh, I'm not, it's not like he was a Scrooge." I don't, I don't want to participate in that. They just didn't offer him a ticket. That's what, yeah, that's what. A few, oh. it's, one of them is like he chose not to, but a few <laughs> of the articles are like. They just didn't make it to his house because it was a little bit out of town. They didn't make it to his barn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so funny as well. No one goes, you know, there's one of these ones with the millions. I'll give you one of these little participations, Costas. Nah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, later why. They think he's the real winner here. Um, Mr. Mitsakis said it would have been nice to win, but he has benefited nonetheless. He had been trying to sell some land without much success. The day after the lottery, a neighbour called to say he would buy it. The next day, another neighbour called, but Mr. Masakis refused to get into a bidding war. This is, uh. this artist, the whole town is so sweet, right? This is a small village, he said. You don't want bad feelings. According to an article on DW.com, it took a day... Yes, and a- it is my website. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it took a day and a half before Mitsakis realised he was the only one in the village who hadn't won the lottery. Once the shock wore off, he says, it was actually funny. You say a day and a half. Was he like partying? Like, yeah, we all did it. And then he's like, hang on a second. That was last year I bought a ticket. I wonder if that counts. I think it was more he assumed someone else wouldn't have bought a ticket as well. It was a day and a half where he's like, oh, everyone. Everyone else. Oh, okay. Every single person. (laughs) That's actually funny. Yeah. No, I'm fu- I actually find that very funny. Yeah. I'm not upset. <laughs> I think it was <laughs> I think it was destiny, he says. He was a filmmaker who now had unparalleled access to an amazing story. He set out to document how money would change life in Sodito. He went out and filmed some of the early reactions of the villagers to the news of their new fortunes. 
Sitting on a plane heading home to Denmark, film producer Lars Tang Sorensen came across Oof. a small news article about Sedito's big win. The article included a few lines on Costas and his film, and Lars was intrigued. Several emails, a few Skype sessions, and one visit to Sedito later, Lars became the film's producer. Huh. According to thegreekreporter.com, since Christmas of 2011, he's been filming a documentary about the families that won the lottery, describing how their newfound money has affected them. If you came here today and didn't know anything different, you wouldn't notice a thing. You don't see fancy cars on the streets. Not much has changed since 2011. The only great difference is uh, that young people now have opportunities and therefore they have decided to stay in the village rather than trying to build a future in larger cities. I wasn't able to find much about the release of the film, but Mitsos Sarkis told The Guardian in 2014 that they went to Cannes to pitch the film in 2012 and distributors were falling over each other to be involved. Makes you think it would have he been. He tied a race all by their now, shoelaces but. together. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get their attention. <laughs> They'll remember me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to wrap this story up, do you think Misakis would trade his opportunity to make the film for a slice of the jackpot? I would. Because then with the jackpot, you could make another film. Yeah. <laughs> Only now with the budget. Yeah. Well, The Guardian asked him this question, and he replied, I think I wouldn't change anything. Although at first I didn't feel that way, I don't like to think of life in terms of money and I love what I do. It's like my hobby. Making films brings me pleasure. So he's happy. That's nice. So, yeah, I kind of finished with a less fun and just more sweet story. Yeah, that's but, nice. But are you saying that he's unlucky but lucky? Yeah, well, he says in his mind. He says he's, he's lucky. He's lucky to have been around and he loves the town he, he, and he's really loved making this film. This is his passion. And he got a story... You know, like a story, kind of a, a story that is pretty famous around the world. Mm. And he got it, he got the own, like, exclusive access to make that. Do you reckon people agree to be in the film because they feel bad for him? <laughs> he's, the kind, he does, he's the kind of guy that walks into the general store and they're all talking and they just suddenly go really yeah. quiet. Yeah. Like, hey! Ca- like, covering up their golden grills in their mouth. Yeah. Hey! Hey! Arthur, how are you? talking about normal things. Good to see you. Oh, anyway. I'm just buying bread. <laughs> like a normal yeah. person buying bread. regular. They don't need bread. Rich people don't need bread. Rich people don't no need way. bread. They don't need it. So that, that should end, you know, maybe that ends the podcast episode. I thought it just was nice, you know, because I feel so lucky and unlucky to do this podcast <laughs> with you. <laughs> so I thought it appropriate. Thought it appropriate as a topic. Beautiful. Well done, Matt. Give it up for Matt Stewart, everybody. Well done. Dave Pudin. Well, sadly, all good things must come to an end. Thank you so much for coming out to our 300th episode. But until next time, we'll say thank you and goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Every camera. What a fun time we had on the 300th in front of a live audience of Stupid Old Studios. It was so, so great. And great if you, fun. If you do want to check that out, you can watch it, uh, including a whole extra a quiz Dave did about the show and the first 300 episodes. Right, looking back, reminiscing. It was really fun. You can go to saucepresents.com. There's a link uh, in the show notes that will take you directly to our page. There's now 17 
do go on streams. You can watch Ooh, there. That bothers me. Are we? All with exclusive extra content. That... We're going to need to ditch two <laughs> or do three more. Pick a couple to delete. <laughs> yeah, if that's all right. <laughs> that will be easier than doing three more. Uh, yeah, let's delete two. <laughs> Uh, at random. <laughs> uh, but now it's time for everyone's favourite section of the show where we get to uh, shout out and thank some of our many great supporters. Um, I think we've got time to do the fact, quote, and question together and then I might have to do the rest by myself because Dave and Jess are apparently pretty important people <laughs> or more likely I'm actually about to fly away. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't throw you in it for too long. We're so important we asked you to leave. The state. <laughs> <laughs> I said you need to go. Get him out. <laughs> uh, so the way this works is if you go to patreon.com slash dogoonpod or dogoonpod.com, uh, you can support us on a bunch of different levels. On each different level, you get uh, different kinds of rewards uh, for supporting us. You really do keep the show running. Uh, one of those levels is the Sydney Schoenberg Deluxe Memorial Rest in Peace Edition level. And on that level, you get to give us a fact, quote, or question. You get to vote in two of the three uh, topics. Uh, every, Pretty much two out of every three weeks, you get to help directly decide what the topic will be. Uh, and you get bonus episodes and all sorts of other stuff that other levels get as well. Uh, but the fact, quote, or question is where you send in a fact, a quote, or a question. And this section has a little jingle that goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding! He always remembers the ding. And on this one, I read out four facts, quotes, or questions sent in by our great supporters. And they also get to give themselves a title. The first one this week uh, comes from Miguel Acosta, who's given himself the title of On-Call Assistant Amateur Primatologist and Prospective Duck Scrubber. (laughs) That is... The longest business card we've heard in a while. <laughs> duck scrubber. And I wonder, yeah, is he a, uh, sort of a duck scrubber helping out uh, our mate from the Science Hour, one of mm. our bonus episodes <laughs> that we occasionally do? Uh, what's that guy's name? He's an ornithologist. Gary, yes. Gary Chalk. Chalk. Gary Chalk. Dr. Gary Chalk. And uh, those ducks will need a lot of scrubbing. <laughs> After oh he's god. done with them. Oh, my God. Oh, gross. Uh, you know, sign up to the bonus episodes if you want more context for that. I don't know if you do. <laughs> uh, I wish I could scrub it from my brain. <laughs> so this uh, question comes from Miguel. He writes, Howdy, gang. I recently dropped out of college and left behind a degree in historical investigation and education with a minor in theatre. Uh, to join the U.S. Coast Guard as a marine science technician, basically, I'd be an aquatic captain planet tending to pollution <laughs> and environmental emergency, hence the nickname MST's Get Duck Scrubbers. Because <laughs> uh, we got to clean those baby ducks in the oil spills. You get it. Aww. You've seen the soap commercials. <laughs> It was a hard decision to make, but I live in Puerto Rico where the opportunities as a history, uh, as a history, I guess as a history academic or sure. whatever, are very, very limited. And a bachelor's degree here is essentially just a piece of paper, not like the ones we've got. Yeah. Uh, now I get to marry my partner after five years of dating. This is listed as a question, by the way. <laughs> I do get to marry my partner after <laughs> not five a years. a brag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That no, should be a fall off. Back yeah, question be. or brag. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It should be. Yeah, I like it. Me oh, too. Yeah. Feel free to take that up as an option. Absolutely. You can choose brag. Um, uh, it goes on, and I'd get a livable wage and the free time to be able to start my dream podcast, uh, semi inspired by you guys, uh, as well as Mission Zach and Cam and Alexi. Have you guys. 
had to take any leaps of faith for the sake of your dreams. Sorry for the long wind up to get a question, uh, but I thought I should, and a long wind down as well. (laughs) (laughs) I love loving it. Uh, uh, but I thought I should share my leap of faith. I ship out to boot camp in September and won't be able to listen to the pod for two months, which is a bit depressing, but I love you guys. And how'd you like to eat my shit? <laughs> which is a, a line from another one of our bonus episodes, the phrasing the bar podcast. That's right. The first ever line that Brendan Fraser said in cinema. So Dave says that at the end of each episode. It's, uh, if you don't know, phrasing the bar is a podcast where we explore the greatest, uh, films in cinema. Yeah. Also coincidentally all... Featuring Brennan Fraser. It's amazing. Uh, but no, you did exactly what we wanted, Miguel. You asked a question, but you answered your question. That's what we. If you yeah, ever ask a that. question, we love an answer. I, I, my obvious one is I took a big leap of faith, quitting uh, air condi- the air conditioning in- industry, my first mm. love, <laughs> uh, to uh, get into comedy uh, full time. Comedy, including podcasting and the stupid old studios, all the little things, all the pieces of the pie I dabble in. Mm. And that was, yeah, that took me quite a while to build up the, like, years to build up the um, courage to take that leap. It was, I also loved uh, the company I worked for, the air conditioning company, Mercury Heating Cooling, do yourself a favour. Great people there. But um, so they, if they sucked, it would have, it would have happened probably quicker. Yeah. Because they were just nice people to work for. Uh, Ended up there for seven years, I think. It's that long. Yeah. How about you, Bob? Yeah, same. Um, I I got the opportunity to do um, overnight shifts at Triple J and had to kind of make the decision to quit my full-time steady job at a company I really liked working for because I couldn't go part-time. So I had to – I made that call and, yeah, that took several years of – Working multiple jobs of doing podcasting and comedy, like stand-up and acting stuff and working full-time the whole time and then finally kind of being like, well, now's the time. And I did it and I haven't looked back and it's been great. So those leaps of faith are good and you'll be it's going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sort of worked out to some degree for us. Yeah. And maybe for others it doesn't. But I, don't, I imagine people... For the most part, I don't regret trying. Yeah, exactly. You regret yeah. not trying. Yeah. I mean, you can always go get a job again. Yeah, that's right. Mercury will have me back, right? That's what's out of that sweet plug. <laughs> You've got experience in that industry if everything goes to shit. Callmercury.com.au. <laughs> I could work in any call centre. <laughs> and there's heaps of them. So, you know, it's good to have a backup. I read on a, a video that... You um, read on you, a video. I read on it in the comments of a YouTube video yes. that you were on. Sometime oh. around, for some reason, I I was looking at some old video, and one of the comments was, hey, I used to work at a call center with her. If I knew she was there, I would have worked there longer. She's cool. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so we, they worked at the call center I worked at. Yeah. But didn't know I was there. No, they knew you were there, but they didn't know you were doing cool stuff. Oh, I see. Okay. And that that would have kept them on? Yeah. It feels like such a a tenuous link to someone doing something kind of interesting, you know, like, oh, my cousin's friend plays footy professionally. I know him, you know, it's like, okay. Your cousin's friend. I know that person incredibly yes. vaguely. Which, which football are you cool. talking about? Dave, have you had a leap of faith? Uh, I'm really bad at quitting things, but 
I, when I was 14, bravely quit tennis. Wow. And I could have become a multimillionaire from that. Dave, you could not hold but the I didn't. racket. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was I high. had to overcome that yeah. bravely. <laughs> and then bravely quit, uh-huh. which could have become... A very lucrative job. Because so you've you, never really, you've never had to quit a day job because all your day jobs have been kind of fun. Yes, it's difficult when you when you like all doing your it. jobs. You just yeah. knew, you, yeah, that's funny because I feel like you grew up close to Jess, but Jess and I grew up in the world where you got to get a real job, right? Mm. But you somehow knew you, that wasn't necessarily true yeah, earlier. Yeah, I, I, I wrote down three options and I was... Uh, you know, for my uni job, I was like, all right, I could be a kids party entertainer. I could be a trivia host slash bingo caller, or I could work at murder mystery nights. And Are you I, serious? I applied for all three and I got the kids party entertainer first and then thankfully moved into trivia. <laughs> the question writing. Your dream was kids party entertainer. Well, I thought I'd rather do, I'd rather do that. Than, I know, looking back, I'm like, what were you thinking? That was such a... <laughs> Such a hard job. <laughs> oh, wow. When it goes badly, it goes really badly. That's really funny. That's great. I love it. Um, thank you so much for that question, Miguel, and congratulations on... Uh, oh, just killing it at life. Killing oh life. Oh, hell God. yeah. You are crushing it. Our first it. ever fact, quote, a question or brag. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Nailing it. You snuck a question into that brag, and I, <laughs> I respect the hell out of that. Uh, the next one comes from Gaddy J from the UK. Gaddy J. What a guy. Whose title is Waterboy. And Gary J also asked a question. Gary J writes... I remember Matt being super kind to me after his London stand-up. <laughs> this is a me bragging. <laughs> uh, uh, you can also write in yeah, brags for me to read out. Fat quote, question, brag, or compliment. <laughs> we'll take that. I remember Matt being super kind to me after his London stand-up uh, show and getting me to join in the chat uh, with him and some other fans were having. But whenever I talked, he'd laugh at my Brummy accent. In the nicest way possible, of course. I don't remember that. That sounds a bit rude. I don't remember it being nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my question is, what accent do you love slash like slash laugh at slash can do really well? Ooh. I love doing South African accent. <laughs> I'm a little bit South African, maybe less than one sixteenth, so it's okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, I was going to okay, say, this good, could be a problematic segment. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> uh, yeah, South African, that's fun. I can't do it, but it is fun. I um, love Welsh. I can't do it. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, Welsh is really fun. And I love Irish. Yeah. I was at the rugby the other night and I could hear a few. It, Ireland was not playing. It was uh, Wallabies versus France, but um, lots of Irish people in the in the crowd I was about to say audience. I think just because it was rugby and they're just like, oh, i got to see it. But I could just hear, I could hear them a mile away. I was like, oh, Irish person. Oh, there's one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the great accents. It's beautiful. Irish. Irish and, yeah, Welsh is up I'll, there. I, think. I love American accents and English accents as well because they're so varied. Oh, yeah, great point. How one country can have, I mean, that's true of a lot of places, I yeah. suppose. But, I mean, coming from Australia where there's kind of like very slight variations yeah. in accent. Yeah, uh, I think can it can be so vastly different. Yeah. yeah, great point. I've been watching tons of the French show The Bureau, and they have lots of French characters, obviously, which I love hearing their accents. And also, a part of it's set in Russia. And hearing, especially, there's these guys with the deepest voices, deeper than Matt's, can you believe? Get it? out. But with town. these beautiful Russian accents, I love hearing them talk. Ooh. So good. And uh, no, I cannot do it. <laughs> no, fair enough. I heard a great accent recently, Jess. You're on this podcast, the uh, Wax Quizzical podcast, mm. and Gillian Cosgriff played uh, 
Mrs. Claus, Jessica, Jessica Claus. Jessica Claus, yeah. Who was such a funny character. So on this podcast that uh, Kyron Wheatley does, it's it's he reads through the quiz. He has a guest, which was Jess in this case, and then two um, comedians improvising characters, staying in character the whole show. And yeah, her made me laugh so much. Oh man! And what what the accent was sort of like a Russianish. Oh yeah, it was sort of like oh, it's a tough one, wasn't it? It was kind of like Icelandic. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was an interesting. But it was so good. Yeah, it was that's beautiful a beautiful accent. It was one of the best podcast episodes I listened to in in a while. If you're into that kind of thing, hot tip. It'll be if you look up Wax Quizzical, it'll be mm. the Jess Perkins episode. Um. Uh, thank you so much, Gary J. The next one comes from David Loring, who's given himself the title of Director of Cromulence, which I think that's a Simpsons thing, right? Yes. Cromulence. And he's written a fact, which is, this is a bit of a shit fact. Okay. It's a hot start. <laughs> okay. This will be for Dave, I guess. <laughs> no, he's a dull. Hey, oh, dull. Sure. Hey, shit. Come on. It's not my thing. Uh, this is a bit of a shit fact, but it will give you something to try out at barbecues. Jeez, he set the, his own bar low. Mm. Um, throughout the 90s, after-school TV programming in Tasmania was peppered with some obscure religious advertising that would play multiple times per ad break. Wow. As a result, those of us who grew up in the 90s can still recite most of them by heart. Among these ads were a song about a girl with three pockets in her overalls. <laughs> I get the religious bent there, obviously. <laughs> a very early 90s Christian rap music video and a series of Mormon commercials that had clearly been redubbed with Australian actors. Most of us grew up assuming they were just nationally broadcast ads, but based on the very puzzled looks from our mainland of friends, if the ads ever came up in conversation, we learned they were a Tassie-specific thing. Wow. As such, thanks to the most memorable of them all, you can identify a Tasmanian millennial in a crowded room by simply calling out, in the jungle one day, and watching as they recite a rhyming story about greed starring some jungle animals. Wow. I'm going to try that next time I see Andy Matthews or another yes. Tasmanian. Yes. be like, in the jungle one day. Yeah. Just see him go. Let's send him a message <laughs> yeah. and just say in the jungle one day and see what happens. See what happens. Oh, that's great. Uh, he says, I'm not sure when you would ever need to do that, but if you know a Tasmanian of our generation, I say give it a crack. And be amused by the results. We absolutely will. Thank you, David. That's a great... That's that wasn't great. a shit fact at all. It wasn't shit. That was, that was great, really fun. Certainly wasn't boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it wasn't grim. Oh, and it was a bit grim. Was it? I don't know. All right. So uh, the final fact quota question or brag this week comes from Paul <laughs> Meller, who's given himself the title Mild-Mannered Businessman by Day, Big Fucking Nerd in Real Life. Paul, I've been following on Twitter his work. He was re- he was nervously following England through the Euro oh dear. finals the whole way through. But he's so polite about it. He's like, oh, it's just great to be close and that sort of stuff. <laughs> Loved his, not not at all the stereotypical English what do you, hooligan football mm. fan. Very um, mild-mannered uh, English just, football fan by day. Quietly trashing the stadium. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, Paul is also asking us a question. Here it is. I know you guys have a great name, but what is the craziest name you have come across? Oh. For example, I've worked with a Cliff Edge. What? And what? Also a no. Wayne Kerr. No. Have you? Re- I 
do I believe you, Paul? You've worked with a cliff edge and a Wayne Kerr. I. All right, I'll take your word for it. Cliff edge. He says, also, my great uncle was named Alfred Hart. And the family story goes that he was told off in class, assume it was the 1940s, and when ordered to stand up and give his name, he simply said, Alf Hart. Apparently, the teacher said that if he did, if he did, he would be in detention for a month. Alf Hart. Alf Hart. Alf Hart. Okay. Stand up. Tell your name. Alf Hart. Alf Hart. Well, if you do, yeah. you'll be in detention. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I can't keep it in. I remember there's some distant family relative that I heard about. I might have mentioned them on the show before. Um, they were named Nora Dick. <laughs> No. no, you're kidding. That's so good. Nora. Nora. <laughs> what do you do for fun? Well, I. Uh... <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, it's hard. These, some of these questions are hard without notice. Like there was one yeah. not too long ago asking for um, TV phrases we say all the time. Yeah. And I couldn't think of any at the time. And then ever since I've been thinking about them all the time. Like of course. Triangle. I say that all the time. Triangle. Like, Bart is is impressing in uh, a remedial class. <laughs> what shape's this? Triangle. <laughs> Say that all the time. I call Flintstone phone. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying other other wild names. There's so many on this show that I can't remember any of. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We've we've come across some amazing names. Verna Derna. Verna Derna. Verna on our mind. Yeah. Even though people did correct us that that's not how it's really pronounced, but still, still. don't take that from. I us. mean, Verna Derna, the fart burner. <laughs> <laughs> You'll go to detention, won't I? <laughs> I'll fart. <laughs> oh, I didn't get it. That's why I'm not the pun king, Dave. That's you. You got it straight away. Cliff Edge. Cliff, Cliff Edge. edge. Hard to top, mate. Hard to top. Yeah. Nora Dick, though. Nora Dick. Yeah, okay. You, you did well. You did really well. And it would only be improved if it was Nora Dickoff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones from... Yeah. Uh, I can't... Was well, someone compiling them for a while? There was someone yes. who was putting together... Every time we went, oh, that's a great name. Yeah. Can't remember where that was. Even but. from the 300th episode, there were a couple where Jess and I went, "Sorry, can you <laughs> back it up a bit." Didn't hear anything you said. <laughs> That's right. Get us to the name again. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> like it just happens. It's week by week. Yeah. It's either people who suggest the topics, where all the patrons were like, "God, oh, it's an amazing name," yeah. or these historical figures we come across. There's just. I think honestly, it's more impressive to have a, a pretty average or dull name. It seems like every second name is incredible. <laughs> You're right. Maybe our, we're just too easy to impress. That's true. <laughs> You're awesome. Hey, right. I don't want to live in a world where I'm not impressed by names. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jess, I'm going to have to say goodbye to you two as I race off to the airport, but I'll finish these from... Can you also say goodbye to me? Oh, did I? Sorry. <laughs> so, Jess, I'll say goodbye to you. Dave, I will not... Dave, <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> um, but before I go, can you give me... Uh, for We thank some other patrons, yeah. and you normally give us... So, this episode was about... People with luck or, or bad luck. Yeah. I wonder how you could come up with how they're lucky or unlucky. Um, Maybe I'd just find a list of, of uh, the luckiest people and compare them to them or something. You'll be the one in the town that doesn't win the lotto. <laughs> yeah. And your town so, is New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Millions. <laughs> They've given away trillions in lottery and you don't get a dollar. And it took you a day and a half to figure out you were the only one. <laughs> people that story oh, that's just walking around being like hang on you yeah. won you won 
You you all won. I actually <laughs> haven't bumped into anybody yet who did. What a realization. <laughs> Love it. Brutal. All right. Well, we'll catch you uh, two next week, and I'll catch everyone else in a second. Bye. Hey, mates. That's right. It's me again. This episode has more endings than the bloody third Lord of the Rings. Uh, I honestly never even got to the end of the third Lord of the Rings. Uh, I think I got through about three of the endings. Heard I've heard good things. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, I'll get around to watching the last half an hour or whatever it is of that. I am here to thank a few more of our great supporters uh, at patreon.com slash dogoonpod or dogoonpod.com. Um, and, yeah, I found a listicle, highest form of uh, journalism, I think, the listicle, and I found it on ranker.com. I'm now up here on the Gold Coast, obviously Dave and Jess back home in melbourne they're locked down i'm actually feeling very lucky uh which is appropriate for this episode um but slightly guilty as well that i'm up in uh near freedom on the gold coast in queensland uh while they're in a tight lockdown back home but um I guess, you know, I'm, I'll do my duty here and I'll uh, thank a few of our great supporters. This is, it's funny. It's, I've been there for all of Melbourne's lockdowns. I feel like I've, 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 what are we up to? The fifth one there now? And I missed out. So bit of FOMO. That's not true. I feel very lucky. Um, so I want to thank a few of our great supporters. And uh, yeah, each of those supporters will get a lucky slash unlucky person. Uh, to maybe compare themselves to, maybe to live the, their live their lives up to. You know, can I be this lucky slash unlucky? Uh, firstly, uh, I'd love to thank our supporter who's been waiting very patiently. I should say, yeah, all of the people I'm reading out today, um, they've sort of slipped through the cracks. I went back and I, I went through our spreadsheet and uh, double-checked uh, over quite a few hours during the week. I looked through them all and I've, I've found a, a bunch of people who somehow slipped through because of different um, quirks in the system, either like a, a payment didn't work at first and then it did or whatever. It's a confusing system, the Patreon anyway. Um, I've got a really old school spreadsheet that tries to keep up with it, basically using an abacus. Um, everyone who signs up, I, I slide one of those beads across and there's got to be a bit of better system, uh, which I think where we, we are actually working on. Anyway, don't know why I'm saying all this. Um, uh, it's very late at night. Just had a, a fun gig. If you are up in Queensland, I should say, and you're listening to this this week, uh, I'm doing a live Primates uh, this Friday night at Good Chat Comedy. I'm also doing um, a stand-up set there at Good Chat, so this Friday. And, uh, yeah, and there's also, and also some based comedy gigs in on the Gold Coast, so check out those if you're keen and you're up in the Queensland area certainly in the southeast of Queensland. Anyhow, I'd love to thank a few of our great supporters. Firstly, from Salt Stee Marie in Ontario, Canada. I don't, I think even Canada I might have mispronounced there. Uh, so apologies for that. But I'd love to thank, who's been waiting so patiently, uh, Wyatt Fremlin. Wyatt Fremlin. Now, Wyatt, I've found, uh, I think, a, a great a lucky slash unlucky person for you this listicle actually it's, it's number one ranked lucky slash unlucky person is frayne salak um but uh this person we've actually done a bonus episode on i just did a, a bonus episode i think last year it was a great app uh it was called the unsinkable woman and this is 
Your person here, Wyatt, you've got Violet Jessup. She was on the Titanic in 1912 and its sister ship Britannic when it sank in 1916. So that's a pretty good one. Pretty lucky, huh? That's what this listicle says. It goes, rhetorically, it asks. Pretty lucked up, right? <laughs> Bit of fun. Uh, thank you so much, Wyatt. I'd also love to thank from Tel Aviv in Israel, Liad Herman. Liad, uh, you're lucky slash unlucky. No, this is definitely an unlucky person. Ludja Silbaris was stuck in a jail cell when uh, in the path of a volcano in 1902. Eruption of Mount Pele on the island of Martinique in the Caribbean resulted in nearly 30,000 deaths. Oh, that's not a good one. Liad, I mean, you've been waiting to be thanked and this is what you get. Let me give you another one. How about this? Adrian Carton de Wiet, who was wounded eight times in three wars, losing both an eye and a hand, but looks like he survived, hey? That's a bit luckier. Unlucky and lucky. Or as the... (laughs) Listicle once again says, pretty lucked up, right? 154 say yes, two say no. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Uh, for, uh, long-term, Liad, you bloody legend. I'd also love to thank from London, in London, in Great Britain, it's Riz Arzaf. Riz Arzaf, uh, you've got Roy Sullivan, who was struck by lightning seven times in 25 years. I actually, I was close to including Roy in uh, today's report, but I, I kind of feel like he maybe he's got a whole episode in him one day. That's a wild story, right? Struck by lightning seven times in 25 years. Um, something you don't know about Roy Sullivan. He's actually a metal pole. No, that's not true. Bit of fun though. This one, pretty lucked up, right? 217 yes, 57 no. Okay. Uh Okay, the next one. Sorry, I was reading ahead like an absolute amateur. From Santiago in... Let me just quickly double check this. Santiago in CL. Oh, maybe Chile. Of course. Sorry, showing my absolute ignorance there. Santiago is the capital and largest city of Chile. Ah, sorry. I feel like a real fool, but I'd love to thank from Santiago in Chile. It is Estefania Labrin. Thank you so much, Estefania. And your person is Walter Summerford, who was struck by lightning three times during his life and once when he was dead. What? I haven't read. I've got to tell you, I haven't read ahead for any of this. Just read that headline quickly. This says, the first time Major Walter Summerford, an Englishman, was said to have been struck by lightning was in 1918 on a WW <laughs> World War I <laughs> battlefield. He was reported, reportedly riding a horse at the, uh, at the time, and while the animal died, Summerford was only temporarily incapacitated by the strike. I guess that's because the horse was grounded, right? Does that make sense? I'm not a scientist. I should say that right up the top. Uh, accounts of his life indicate Summerford was struck two more times in 24 and 1930. When he died two years later, he was buried in Vancouver in Canada. In 1936, his gravestone was destroyed by a fourth lightning strike. <laughs> How's it? I mean, they're still asking the question. Pretty lucked up, right? 144 say yes, 31 say no. Sounding not all that lucky to me. 
Uh, oh, Anne Hodges is in. This list um, is following today's episode pretty well. She only made it to number eight. 111 thinks she was locked up. 22, not so much. Um, all right. Uh, next up, I'd love to thank from Essex. Uh, Greys, to be precise, in Essex in Great Britain. It's Jack Toombs. Jack Toombs. Oh, another epi- previous episode, Adolf Sachs. Uh, you would probably already realize this, but uh, during his childhood, he fell out of a three-story window, drank acid, and fell onto a burning stove. One of the most surprisingly fun and interesting stories, I reckon, the history of the saxophone which Dave did a report on, I think, earlier this year. Check that one out if you haven't already. Uh, but you get Adolf Sachs, Jack's Tombs, Jack Tombs. Uh, I would also like to thank from Albuquerque in New Mexico in the United States, Santiago Romero. Santiago Romero. You've got Henry Ziegland, who was killed by a bullet that had been fired at him 20 years earlier. Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay. So it says the story of Henry Ziegland has been called apocryphal by some and the events of his life are somewhat convoluted. Okay. Well, this sounds a little bit like another story we heard earlier in this episode. Ziegland lived in Texas during the late 19th century and in the aftermath of a failed relationship, his former girlfriend killed herself. The girl's brother blamed Ziegland and set out to kill him. The brother missed when he fired and took his own life soon after. The bullet that was meant for Ziegland lodged in a nearby tree when Ziegland decided to rid himself of the tree with dynamite in 1913. The bullet reportedly struck him in the head. He was killed instantly. Holy shit. That story is hectic, but surely not true. Anyway, it says 150 think he's pretty lucky. 60 disagree. Um... Starting to think I should read ahead a little bit more. Uh, thank you so much to you, Santiago. I'd also love to thank from Palm Harbor in Florida in the United States, Mark Karoftis. Mark Karoftis. You've got oh, another class. That's so funny. This is another uh, episode. Michael Malloy. I don't know if you remember this. Um, this is rated number 11, most lucky slash unlucky people in history. Five of Michael Malloy's friends tried to kill him repeatedly for insurance money, and he was very hard to kill. Uh, great episode. I won't go into any of that in case you haven't heard it, but uh, classic app. Definitely worth listening to. I think that was a Jess Perkins report. Thank you so much to you, Mark. A uh, couple more I'd love to thank from Bedford in Texas in the United States. Uh, how about this one? Ramon Artagaveta. Artagaveta. It says, after bravely surviving one ship rep, Raymond finally felt safe traveling when he booked a ticket aboard the Titanic. Oh, no. Born in Uruguay in 1840. He was an Argentinian businessman. He was aboard a ship, uh, the ship America when it sank in 1871. And as one of the 65 passengers to survive the disaster, he only escaped by jumping in the water and swimming to safety. Oh, my God. And then he ended up on the Titanic. That is stiff. Uh, this one, this is the closest call so far. Pretty lucked up, right? 74 say yes. 54 say no. Um, so I've got one left to go. Some of these ones I'm reading out, I'm like, oh, these sound like good reports potentially for the future. Um 
Last one I'd love to thank from Newtown. I was drinking Newtowner beers tonight, man. Newtowner, uh, New South Wales and Sydney. It's Eric Rudd. Eric, finally for you, this one I think sounds like a great report. So I won't go into it too much because I really think it could be a good one. Uh, Tsutomu uh, Yamaguchi was in Hiroshima and Nagasaki when atomic bombs fell from the sky. I was actually reading up on him a bit, um, possibly to write him into this report. But yeah, he survived both and survived the first one, then went home to Nagasaki where another the second bomb fell and he survived that as a wild story. So um, yeah, good on you. Thank you so much to Eric, Daniel, Mark, Santiago, Jack, Estefania. Riz, Liad, and Wyatt. The only thing left to do now is thank a few of our great longtime supporters uh, who are now in the Triptych Club. If you've been a supporter on the shout-out level or above for the last three years straight, uh, you get to uh, you get to be shouted out now, obviously. that's what, I mean, I'm making this sound more com- confusing than it is. Um, so, please, uh, you'll recognize one of the names from just before. That's how long he was waiting to be shouted out before. But the way this works, uh, if I can remember properly, uh, normally Jess picks a, a cocktail that's based on the, the topic. Dave's booked a band. Uh, then I'm reading out the names. Dave's hyping him up and then Jess is sort of hyping up Dave. I'll see how much of this I can do um, myself. Uh, In terms of what's a lucky band? Some sort of a lucky band. Let me have a quick search here. Uh, We've got The Verve. The Verve are in to play one of their hit songs, Lucky Man. Um, So that should be pretty good, I think. Uh, Daft Punk's also in playing Get Lucky. Bruce Springsteen's playing Lucky Town. It's actually a pretty sweet lineup. <laughs> pretty sweet lineup tonight um, at the show. Uh, and yeah, the cocktail. I guess it's the uh, it's the the the, the fat one. I forget what the uh, Spanish name was, but El Gordo. So we're having El Gordo cocktails, and that's just got whatever you want in it because uh, it's in a big gold cup, and you're you're a winner as you drink that. So let me read them out. There's only four. Um, I'll read them out. I'll hype them up and then I'll um, compliment myself on the hyping up if I can uh, figure all that out. And uh, here we go. Four names tonight. Welcome in, please, uh, to the Triptych Club. I'd love to thank and welcome from Toowoomba in Queensland, just down the road from where I am, Jonathan Lithgow. Lithgow, straight to the bloody booth, mate. You can party on in here all you like. Welcome in, Jonathan. Uh, I'd also love to welcome in from Mount Airy in MD. Damn it. MD in the United States. Let me quickly look up what MD is. doesn't matter. It sure does to this person. MD State is Maryland. I think I follow their college basketball team. All right, from Maryland in the United States, it's Taylor Michael. Taylor Michael, well, uh, isn't 
tonight tailor made for you taylor michael you're gonna have a great time in here this place is your kind of place i'd also love to thank from miners rest in victoria australia it's karen loader hey we're gonna load tonight up with fun for you karen loader from Miners, have a rest, have a rest here and have a good time, Karen Loader. And finally, from Salt Steer Marie in Ontario, Canada, it's Wyatt Fremlin, that's right. It's a, it's a double entry episode for him on the 300th episode. Welcome in, Wyatt, to the Triptych Club. Fremlin, you're no gremlin, you're having a good time. Uh, have a good time, good on you, don't feed him after midnight, that's a different thing. Welcome in, Wyatt Fremlin. So thank you so much to all our inductees into the Triptych Club. If you want to be involved in any of this stuff, go to patreon.com slash dogoonpod or dogoonpod.com. And yes, I'd love to thank Wyatt, Karen, Taylor, and Jonathan. Jonathan Taylor. Oh, imagine if there was a Thomas in there today as well. If you, a few home improvement fans would appreciate that. Oh, uh, all right. Well, that brings us into the episode. Uh, from next week, we'll be back to the whole three line up the whole way through apologies that i had to do this last bit by myself thank you so much for those who have listened all the way through appreciate that very much i hope you've had a really good time thanks so much for everyone for listening to this show keeping it going through 300 episodes um couldn't be more stoked if you go back and listen to episode one i imagine it doesn't sound like we're thinking oh we'll be doing this in six years time but yeah, I'm so stoked that we are. And I really, really appreciate everyone for listening and supporting you. And yeah, we'll catch you next week. Can't wait for the next 300. Cheers and laters. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.